G'day guys, welcome back to another edition of the No Name Podcast. My name's Ross Ketsenbarnas. Uh, today's a, it's a Sunday, it's a Sunday evening when I'm recording this, so it's the 24th of May 2020. Um, I think we're in the great state of Victoria that we're in uh, at the moment. I'm in Melbourne town, it looks like uh, the restrictions are slightly going to ease up a little bit, so we can look forward to a few more freedoms. Um, I know Definitely, there's there's some things we can talk about uh, that people can do, but but in but staying safe, I think is still important. But uh, obviously, we'll we'll be able to uh, to do a few more things uh, in the coming coming weeks and months. Uh, hopefully, shall we be all uh, all all, cons- all, uh, all safe and sound? So I don't know about you guys, but I'm really looking forward to just something to do, something to watch. So I know I'm looking forward to a bit of. Rugby lug as uh, Pierre Valandis, the the chairman of the NRL Commission, would say. So, uh, I'm I'm pretty pretty much pretty pretty much looking forward to to that. But uh, I'll kickstart today off with a bit of on this day. Uh, as we know, I like to, like to go back in history and look back at what happened on this day. Uh, that's for sure. So on this day, 1915, the the great inventor Thomas Edison. Uh, he invented the telescribe to record telephone conversations. Um, so you can thank him for anyone that's listening to your phone conversations. Thank Thomas Edison. Yeah. So good on him. Um, read, reading here that in 1922 on this day, uh, in the Netherlands, they recorded their record temperature of 35.6 degrees Celsius, Celsius at the time. Uh, that's uh, that's just a warm summer's day here in Melbourne. That's not really a hot day or a stinking hot day. That's a, a pretty warm day. Uh, so nothing, nothing, uh, nothing, nothing too amazing about that. On this day, nineteen thirty, Amy Johnson becomes the first woman to fly solo uh, from England to Australia. So good on her. On the, also on that day, nineteen thirty, on the twenty fourth of May, Babe Ruth uh, hit uh, hits two home runs. So or hits a home run in each of the double headers uh, that he played on this day. Uh, so that actually was his ninth home run for the week. Uh, the final one. So. Pretty good week if you're going home, you know, taking the bacon home and getting uh, nine home runs. You're going to be pretty happy with that, especially if you get a, I'm sure he had a home run bonus in his contract somewhere. Did the old, the great Bambino. He was an absolute star for the Yankees. Uh, Sticking to baseball, also on this day, 1935, so 85 years ago today, uh, Major League Baseball actually played its first night game in Cincinnati and the Reds won 2-1. Cincinnati Reds beat the Philadelphia, uh, but the Phillies uh, two to one. So interesting to see that there's a, uh, I guess eighty five years ago was the first time a night match was held. So I think if you look at uh, if you look at Australian rules football, I think the first MC, the first night game at the MCG was played in nineteen eighty five. So it's fifty years later, uh, which is pretty pretty grim when you think about it. Um, so a little bit little bit behind the times there. Um, I also read somewhere that in America in the um, in the in the early fifties, they were they put bucket seats. So what you go and sit on the stadium now, like bucket seats, actual individualized seats. That that was being done in America in the nineteen fifties. Uh, and and the stands that they built for the nineteen fifty six Olympics in Melbourne um, had the old wooden planks. So uh, a good mate of mine, Nick Wallen, he'll know how much uh, him and I both love wooden planks uh, at the football. Nothing worse than sitting on a big wooden plank. I remember sitting on a few in the old. Second tier of the uh, the Ponsford stand back in the day as a young child. Uh, plenty of people who have gone to Subiaco have got sore, sore backs, uh, sore backs and sore backsides when they go home. Um, so, yeah, sitting on uh, sitting on wood wooden planks at the footy is not great for your back and probably 
it's not something that uh not actually something that makes it any, any worthwhile and uh, enjoyable on this day 1961 uh cyprus the great the great island nation uh joins the council of europe on this day 1961. 67 uh the australian the american football league sorry uh in america which later merged with the nfl uh, gave a license, a franchise license to the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Bengals still to this day suck. Uh, they, they're not a very great org. They're not. They're not a great organisation. Uh, that's for sure. You look at. You look at some of their. Uh, I think over time. I think now in particular, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not anywhere near the, the best. That's for sure. But uh, I think over time, I'm trying to have a look. I can't even think of. I actually can't even think of any players. I think they've won two conference championships in 81 and 88, so they've made the Super Bowl twice. I actually can't think of any great Bengals players off the top of my head. Maybe the only one I can think of as a player is is Andy Dalton. Um, maybe Chad Johnson as well, the wide receiver. Uh, the guy that called himself Chad Ochenocho. So, I mean, you have a look at these guys. Um, the Reds have only retired one... Oh, I sound the Reds. The Bengals have only retired one number being... Uh, the number 54, which belonged to Bob Johnson, who was a centre uh, from 1968 to 79. Uh, Bob Johnson, uh, I mean, I can't, I mean, I don't really look at it any other way. That If you've only had one jump at retired, it doesn't really mean a hell of a lot. Guys in the Hall of Fame, um, Terrell Owens spent a season there, he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Anthony Munoz, uh, he spent 12 seasons there as an offensive tackle, he's in the, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's probably he's considered. I've never heard of him. He's considered one of the best offensive linemen. Um, a guy called Charlie Jorner, who spent four, three or four seasons there in the, the mid seventies. He uh, he was inducted in '96. There's not really any great players. Another one I can think of, Carson Palmer. Actually, he's he's a he's a pretty good one. Chad Johnson. Um, yeah, they, these are the main guys. Like the Cincinnati Bengals have not had a good side for the last what fifty years, uh, fifty three years that they've. Uh, they've been in existence, so hopefully uh, things turn around for the Bengals uh, soon because I don't think they're very good. On this day, 1972, uh, Glasgow's uh, Rangers, not Celtic, uh, Rangers, uh, win the European Cup Winners' Cup against Dinamo Moscow uh, in Barcelona. They won that match 3 2. Uh, on this day, 1986, Margaret Thatcher, uh, late Baroness Thatcher, she's the first Prime Minister uh, to visit Israel on this day, 1986. So, a fair, a fair while ago now, uh, 34 years ago. Uh, actually, awesome. Um, awesome film that came out on this day in 1989. Still one of my favourites. Really love it. Has some awesome scenes. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, produced by George Lucas. Uh, one of the, one of the greatest films. I think it's the it's the third third um, third third film in the series. So it's not not for uh, not the first. I think they ended up making a second one in maybe the late two thousands. I'm guessing, but uh, had a budget of forty eight million four hundred seventy four. So it was genuinely a box blockbuster. It came to the box office. Um, I just absolutely loved it. Like. I mean, you look at uh, the old town of, you know, you go through Venice and, uh, yeah, you see all the interesting stuff and you see where his phobia of snakes comes from as well as, as a young child. Uh, I really enjoyed that too. So I couldn't uh, couldn't couldn't put it any other way. I just, yeah, I really rated it as a film. I would definitely go and 
recommend if you haven't seen Indiana Jones, any of them, go and watch them. Um, they're really good. But Last Crusade's uh, an absolute, absolutely awesome one. So uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of those. Just finally, guys, on this day, a few European Cup finals to go through slash Champions League finals because it is May and that's when they all happen. So firstly, on this day, 1989, uh, being the 24th of May, uh, at Barcelona's Camp Nou, uh, AC Milan played style Bucharest. I uh, went through most of the AC Milan side from the 90 side last night. It's basically the same. All, uh, all Italian lineup, captain by Franco Baresi, um, the Dutchman, Rijkaard, Van Basten and Hullet. Hullet uh, opened the scoring at 18th. Van Basten in the 28th uh, scored another one. Hullet scored in the 38th, and then Van Basten scored in the 46th. So they beat uh, Stavbuk Resti side vision featuring uh, Georgie Haji. Uh, they beat them 4-0. So absolutely, absolutely obliterated them uh, in the Champions League final. So you won't find many more sort of one-sided finals than that. Uh, also on this day, 1995, a very young and youthful Ajax side, Ajax uh, of Amsterdam, played... I, uh, played AC Milan, actually, of all teams, uh, the great AC Milan side, uh, and they beat them 1-0. So on that day, Patrick Clivert, who at the time was 18 years old, 18 years and 327 days, becomes the youngest player ever to score in a UEFA Champions League slash European Cup final. Uh, so you have a look at the... I'll have a look at the Milan side. So he's, Clivert scores in the 85th minute of that game, by the way. Um, again, the, the AC Milan side still... I mean, we're talking 1995. The side's predominantly Italian... Um, the only two foreigners are a guy called Zvonimba Boban, who was an absolute legend, uh, and Marcel Desailly, the Frenchman. Uh, so a Croatian and a Frenchman, the rest of the sides uh, Italian. So you look at their back, you look at their, you look at uh, you look at the side that AC Milan put out that night: Christian Panucci, uh, Paolo Maldini, Dimitri Albertini, Alessandro Costa-Curca, um, Franco Baresi, uh, Roberto Donadoni, uh, Marcel Desailly. Uh, Daniel Massaro, uh, Marco Simone. Um, so there's some pretty good players in that AC Milan side, right? And you have a look at the other side. I think the other side would would figure a few more guys uh, along the lines of, uh, I think a few more experienced, uh, no, sorry, inexperienced players and younger players in that AC Milan side. Uh, so I have a look at their side. And there's some, there's some genuine stars. And these guys were young back in the day. So... Look at this. I again, predominantly Dutch players playing, but I had have, I have a look at it here, and you know the goalkeeper Enrid van der Sar, Michael Reisiger, uh, Daily Danny Blind, who's uh, Daily Blind's father, uh, for anyone out there, Sportsman United, uh, would know him. Frank Reichardt actually at this stage was back at uh, back at Ajax. Um, Frank de Boer, Clarence Seidorf as a youngster, Fanidi George, who was a who uh, was a winger from uh, a winger from Nigeria, so he was. He was an electric player for, for Ajax for a few years. Uh, uh, so, so some really good players. And then Edgar Davids, Ronald DeBoer, Yari Lippmanen, who was an absolute star uh, mid-90s football. He was he was young at the time. I think he was 24. And then he ended up uh, he ended up at Liverpool, actually. Barcelona and Liverpool as well did Yari Lippmanen. But uh, his best football always was at Ajax. He, he was an absolute star there. And I think he represented Finland for, for nearly 20 years. He made his debut as a... 18 year old and finished playing at 38 or 39 so it's pretty uh pr- pretty incredible as well when you think about it um not just his football career but his international career uh so he's playing mark Overmars too and on their bench right they've got winston bogard who didn't didn't get on the park but then 
obviously Kanu, Nawaka Kanu, uh, the Nigerian. He was a youngster back then. I think he was he was only uh, he was only yeah he was nineteen or not even nineteen eighteen. And Patrick Kwaalu was the same, not even nineteen. So um, those those guys actually those guys came on and obviously Clive had scored the winner in the eighty fifth minute. But you've got to look at a side like that and you think wow like. In this in this day and age, sides like Ajax. I mean, last season they they had a really good side, and obviously they went to the semi final. But they're not making the final. They're not winning the, the tournament these days. It is the the larger, bigger, more experienced clubs who tend to uh, tend to win more. But I mean, it's it's, it's pretty incredible to have a look at the, these sides and you know, guys like you know. I look at the, the guys in this squad. And I think wow, these these players are some. There's some serious players in here. They're they're genuine freaks and. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty. Uh, I mean, been pretty spoiled over the last twenty five years. We've seen some fantastic footballs, and this is actually, really, I think, it's a good, good indication that you, you know, you can, you can win sides with youth rather than uh, going out and spending all this money, sort of ally Man City, ally PSG, uh, right? That, that's my view. Now, also on this day, uh, twenty fourteen, the UEFA Champions League final was held. It was actually held in Lisbon, which is in Portugal. The Portuguese and the Spanish don't really get along very well, um, which is kind of interesting because the final was between Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, who also don't really get along with things, uh, seeing as they're their, their main rivals. Um, so Real Madrid were managed by Carlo Ancelotti, um, Atletico managed by Diego Simeone. Um, Atletico actually scored, so Diego Godin scores in that 36 minute, and then in the 93rd minute, um, Sergio Ramos scores, so that was uh, so it was one one. So basically, Atletico Madrid basically won that had one hand on the trophy. Um, I'm having a look at their their, their side here. Uh, Fibo Courtois was playing uh, for Atletico Madrid. He now plays at uh, Real Madrid. Diego Godin, uh, Thiago, uh, Gabi as well, uh, Coque uh, as well. The left midfielder, the Spanish Spanish international, uh, Diego Costa, David Villa. On the bench, they had, uh, they had Adrian, uh, they had, they had uh, Jose Souza, uh, and Toby Alderweireld Toby uh, as well. He was he was in their side. He's now at Tottenham. So they had a pretty good side. You have a look at the Real Madrid side as well. Man, guys like Iker Casillas, their goalkeeper, their captain, um, Sergio Ramos, Luka Modric, Sami Khedira, Angel Di Maria, Gareth Bale, Karim Benzema. Cristiano Ronaldo, Pepe was on the bench, he didn't get on. Marcelo, Alvaro Below was on the bench, he didn't get on. Uh, Isco, uh, Alvaro Morata, so <laughs> both sides are absolutely unbelievable. Uh, De Maria was actually, Angel De Maria was actually given man of the match. Um, but yeah, in the, in the second period of extra time, uh, Ace, um, sorry, Real Madrid just absolutely obliterated Atletico. Bale scored on the 110th, Marcelo in the 111th, and Ronaldo put a penalty away in the 120th minute. Uh, over the game, so in the last minute. So effectively, Real Madrid uh, had 65% possession during that period, eight shots on target, eight shots, seven on target. Um, but uh, Atletico had, in extra time this season, Atletico had three for two shots on target. So, I mean, when you look at it like that, it's, it's, uh, it is it's pretty hard, pretty hard for them to get in. But uh, yeah, uh, fantastic, fantastic, I guess, fantastic final, especially when it goes to extra time. I, I think I really enjoy extra time as an element in sport. I really enjoy overtime in NBA and NFL. I just find penalties sometimes is, is very exciting, but I love the element of extra time because you genuinely don't know what could happen. Literally anything could happen. So uh, it's always it's always brilliant to see. So I was 
a big fan of uh, big fan of big fan of that. Uh, and also, um, hopefully, we can say some more. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, we get some soccer more soccer back shortly. I know that uh, over in in, uh, in Germany, the Bundesliga has been back, and everyone's been everyone's been watching that literally a lot. Like the the. I think I was having a look the Bundesliga, uh, the Bundesliga TV ratings. I think went absolutely through the uh, through the roof. Uh, the, oh, I know it was on after Sport here. I'm sure. Um, yeah, just having a look here. Forbes have put out something saying the return of the Bundesliga. Uh, the return of the Bundesliga led to uh, record record TV ratings in Germany. So I'd love to see what they were like elsewhere as well, but I guess the German ones are pretty good to have a look at to see how many people are actually tuned in, probably just to do something. Um, Bundesliga, yeah. T-Sports were saying here, I'm just reading that they have they peaked at about 1.4 million people watching, peak audience of around 652,000. That was across TV and digital platforms. So, it's pretty, uh, I think that they say that was a sort of a five-fold increase on normal numbers for Bundesliga. I think that was in Europe. So it's, it's actually pretty good to see. I think people just want to watch something, people don't want to do something. But uh, yeah, people can do a little bit more. So it's good at the moment. Um, I think things are easing up and uh, hopefully people are able to get out a bit more, but stay safe. And uh, yeah, hope hope you guys enjoy the podcast. I'll have a few guests on this coming week. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it and uh, have a good night and uh, take care.